there are always ways to make activities more inclusive, but I feel like especially when it comes to things like the gender dynamics, et cetera, I think a lot of the reasons to why it continued to happen in such a way for so long was because also people didn't discuss it and that people were kind of afraid to bring it up when it happened or kind of worried about how that would reflect on them. But it's one of those where even having roundtables or giving people the opportunity to share their experiences other people can then identify with those experiences. And it's a way to make sure that things like that don't happen again, or a way to share positive ways that people have been dealing with things like this. Welcome to the Model United Nations podcast by Best Delegate. I'm your host, Ryan Villanueva. And on this podcast, I show you how Model UN brings out the best in students around the world. I ask students to share how they got started in Model UN, why they do Model UN, and how Model UN inspires them to prepare for college and their future careers. In this episode, I finished my interview with Georgina Kenchington, a 26-year-old from New York City who was head delegate of Georgetown's Model UN team, and now she's studying to be a teacher, and she's an MUN mentor with Best Delegate. I asked Georgina, what's the biggest challenge that she's faced in Model UN? And she shares that it's been the gender imbalance, that when she's gone into modern committees, that oftentimes there are way more boys than girls, and that presents challenges to her. And she shares what she learned from those experiences, how she overcame those challenges. And we discuss what MUN conferences are doing and can be doing more of to create a more inclusive space and to address this gender imbalance in Model UN. So I thought this was a great episode and a great topic for Georgina to bring up. I'm really glad she brought it up and I hope you enjoy. Now, over 12 years of doing Model UN, like surely you've seen like both highs and the lows. And so I did want to ask like, you know, whether it's about any of the students that you worked with or your own Model UN experiences in college or in high school, what would you say is like the biggest challenge either that you've experienced or that you see students like go through? I think that this relates to both of those in terms of something that I experienced and something that I know that students still mention that they go through, especially when it comes to both high school and college Model UN, which is the gender imbalance when it comes to Model UN, as well as when it comes to certain mm. topics, as well as certain committees. And going back to little eighth grade me, who was terrified of public speaking, Another piece to that was that I actually went to an all-girls school from K through 12. So I was additionally intimidated by the presence of an additional gender who I had never interacted with in the classroom before when I got to any Model UN committee. And specifically, all of the committees I did in high school definitely had more boys than girls. And so it was something that I had to learn how to navigate in terms of A, the self-confidence, and B, just generally the dynamics and interactions. And there were times in college where it was definitely similar I think a great example of this, but not a common nor blanket example would be anytime I walked into a committee that was vaguely military-based because I did crisis committees in college. So thinking about an Inc. and Civil War JCC I did, for example, or Joint Crisis Committee. My position was an oracle, and there was a male West Point delegate who was assigned to the general of the army. And so it was one of those where I gave a speech and immediately afterwards, the West Point delegate gave a speech saying that all of my military movements would not work in real life. And here is why. And a reverse V formation is the only way to counter a V formation. 
So it was one of those where I really had to learn how to navigate that and find my own creative ways to get my voice out there and to counter speeches like that, where I could insert my own expertise and be somebody who was followed by the rest of the room. At the end of that specific moderated caucus, everybody actually wound up going with my idea, which was something related to like surfboards and a bizarre naval fleet that nobody would see coming. Because if everybody expects a reverse V formation, we should absolutely not do that. Mm. But to get back to kind of the moral of the challenge, gender is definitely still something that's hard to navigate in Model UN. But what I will say is I think it has been getting better. I'm really glad you brought this up. Um, this is definitely something that I see, have seen ever since I was a student. Um, something I talk about with teachers a lot. I think teachers are trained in particular to kind of like see these dynamics, right? At Best Delegate Programs, we have a module on social dynamics, um, which includes, among other things, like gender dynamics. And as a teacher, educator, you can go into a Model UN committee and at times you can just see it, right? When the students, they form their resolution groups on their own. And sometimes it, it seems like it doesn't matter what countries they're representing, what the positions actually are, but that the boys kind of form one group and the girls end up in, in another group. And as an educator, it's actually a great teachable moment where I can help the students like see that dynamic, right? What I like to do is take photos or videos of the discussion, the debate, and then when we debrief with them at the end, show them the video or the photo and be like, what do you see? And it makes it very, very apparent to them. And I'm glad you, again, you, sh you shared this. I'm, I'm curious, like, I mean, you're, you're saying it's getting better. And I'm wondering like what, if you can either like articulate more of the challenge because of the gender imbalance, but also like what are Model UN conferences doing about that? It's a really great question. I think specifically, at least looking towards a lot of high school conferences, I know now a lot of the time I've heard students saying that at conferences, especially if they notice that there are some blocks where certain people are dominating the block or there are certain voices that are louder than others, the chairs will encourage students to kind of reshuffle and work within that block. But I also think it's coming down a lot to students' attitudes. And I think a lot of the time pre-COVID, Model UN was really competitive but now, especially post-COVID, and at least I've seen this in a lot of our programs, while still being competitive, students are doing a really good job at bringing out the best in one another and are doing a really fantastic job at using Model UN as well as an opportunity to make friends, which a lot of students missed out on, at least beyond their own schools and beyond their own towns during COVID. And so I think given that dynamic as well and kind of this increased desire for students to meet new people that gender dynamic is kind of being reduced just by nature of students wanting to meet other kids, as well as that kind of general shift in attitude. And I think it does come down a lot to as well, the way that older students mentor younger students and the way that it's becoming something that conferences are more aware of. And so they're developing training protocols, for example, at the collegiate level for high school conferences and finding other ways to make sure that conferences are inclusive as possible. Interesting. You're saying that uh, before COVID, that Model UN conferences um, were particularly competitive, right? And students can be awards driven. And you're saying that that reinforces, you know, frankly, social dynamics that anyone can use in order to kind of like help them win an award. And that include would include gender dynamics. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that what you're saying? 
specifically at the high school level, typically the larger boys being the loudest in the room and standing on a chair together and their voices just drowning out everybody else as an example. Like that happens at Model UN conferences. Again, for anyone who's new to Model UN, it's like, you, you probably don't realize this, but yeah, if you're at Naaman and you're just trying to dominate the committee, yeah, it helps if you're taller and bigger. And if you stand on a chair and you bang a shoe on a table, like that doesn't, that part doesn't always happen, but sometimes just the, just being bigger than everybody else happens. But you're saying that since COVID, you see students are more likely to kind of de-emphasize the competition and more value, more of the relationships and friendships that they're building. Or at least seeing the two going more hand in hand together and seeing the teamwork and working together is a huge aspect of Model UN. It's not just about one country being out for themselves because that's also not the way that the world works. And do you think that you mentioned that conferences are now having trainings for their college students so that they can identify gender dynamics um, for their high school conferences they're running. But like, is there, I'm, I'm really just asking, like, is there anything else that Mario and conferences or organizations like Best Delegate, right, should be doing to make Model UN more inclusive? There are always ways to make activities more inclusive, but I feel like especially when it comes to things like the gender dynamics, et cetera, I think a lot of the reasons to why it continued to happen in such a way for so long was because also people didn't discuss it. And that people were kind of afraid to bring it up when it happened or kind of worried about how that would reflect on them. But it's one of those where even having roundtables or giving people the opportunity to share their experiences, other people can then identify with those experiences. And it's a way to make sure that things like that don't happen again or a way to share positive ways that people have been dealing with things like this. And I think since COVID as well, we've gotten a lot better at virtually communicating. And reducing a lot of these barriers and these borders to kind of having those conversations, which creates another format in terms of doing that. You're saying we need to have more of the conversation. Yeah. I think that's cool. I agree with that. Um, wow, Gio, this has been uh, wonderful for me to learn a, your like model UN biography here. And it's only continuing. I know you're still very much involved in model UN. Um, and I know that you're actually now teaching, well, you're in the education school at uh, NYU. Mm -hmm. So what led to that? Like you did, you know, the Peace Corps, you got evacuated. <laughs> you did the, our online programs. You're still doing our uh, virtual programs, the best delegate. And then at what point were you like, okay, I'm, I actually want to get into education. Again, a great question. And specifically thinking about which you asked me a little bit about earlier, kind of when I was looking after worldview and figuring out what, then, hey, I done model UN and that seemed like a natural fit. But so many of the jobs in this field say you need a master's degree, which had always been part of my plan after the Peace Corps in Thailand. It just wound up happening a little sooner than I had initially expected. But specifically in terms of the international education program at NYU, I figured it went really nicely with everything that I've done in terms of I'm specifically looking at development, peace, and conflict. So education as a tool for empowering students and giving them capacity and agency as a means toward positive change, as well as peace building across the world and in development settings. And the UNODC Partner Project saw Model UN as definitely an educational platform to do that. So Model UN is kind of a great piece of this puzzle in terms of 
an educational setting and an educational field for students to really kind of pursue peace building. And so looking towards this program, I really wanted to learn how to design programs that have that same output and design programs and kind of look towards what types of programs really can empower students and really can make a positive change and help students to develop skills outside of the classroom setting and outside of that bog standard curriculum, but skills that serve them to become leaders beyond the classroom. So are you going to become like a teacher or like an MUN advisor or uh, sounds like curriculum developer, program developer? Stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. Um, Gio, I know we're uh, towards the end of our, our time here. Um, I got two final questions for you. Uh, one is um, uh, shout outs. Is there anyone out there that you want to shout out any, um, you know, just people in your life? teachers maybe, or even like thought leaders, influencers, role models, um, that you kind of want to just recognize. A huge shout out to Ryan Villanueva and Kevin Felix Chan for wow. starting the best delegate blog and helping to I influence students. I was actually model UN not students. trying to set that up. Thank you very much. But I, that is appreciated. Thank you. And additionally, <laughs> you <know? laughs> I actually will say, I feel like not enough people give shout outs to their Model UN advisors. So a huge shout out to Catherine Kohler, who was my Model UN advisor in eighth grade and throughout high school. One of the most incredible women and teachers I have ever met. She was also my eighth grade history teacher, my junior year APUS teacher, and my senior year African studies teacher. And I think a lot of what I've done was also influenced by her in that she used to tell us stories about when she moved to Pakistan with her husband and all of these crazy places that she'd lived across the world and like snakes in her kitchen and all of that as she taught us Model UN or at least helped us to research. So really, really cool and definitely inspired me to get out there and get abroad. That's awesome. And um, is there, like, after 12 years of doing Model UN, and now you've worked with, you know, dozens of students, and you are now in education school studying studying this and definitely leveraging your Model UN experience, uh, is there anything that um, you want to say to students and teachers who are just getting started in Model UN? I honestly do not know where I would be right now if I hadn't done Model UN, which I think you can probably tell given all of the stories that I just told you. So definitely stick with it because you never know where Model UN will take you or how it will transform your life, but it can lead you to some pretty incredible places. I've yet to visit all seven continents like Laura Beth, but it's on my list as well as some pretty incredible people and incredible opportunities. Awesome. Geo. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun uh, having you on the podcast. Um, I'm just very uh, grateful uh, for you. And yes, the work that you've done uh, for us at Best Delegate, more importantly, like for your own students, all the students that you worked with through us at Worldview, Georgetown. It really sounds like Maldio and has really like shaped who you are. And uh, I think it's really wonderful, wonderful to see. Um, and yeah, just really appreciate you. So thank you. Thanks for keeping me around. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Model United Nations podcast by Best Delegate. I'm your host, Ryan Villanueva. And if you're enjoying this show, then I encourage you to follow and subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Best Delegate. We make it easy to learn Model United Nations. Start your MUN journey today at learnmodeluen.com.
www.thinkingdigital.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time.